Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Slow Home Podcast. I am uh, your host, Brooke McCallery, and here is my co-host, Ben McCallery. G'day. Um, episode 20. Who would have thought? XX. It's good. Roman numerals. You're the ancient history guy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, today we've got a, a hostful uh, episode for you, which is always kind of fun to record. People tend to like them, I think. Uh, First podcast of the month. Yes. It tends to be the hostful, so uh, well done getting through July and welcome to August. I know. So, uh, spring's just around the corner for us. And autumn's just around <laughs> the corner for your, your northern hemisphere folks. Um, so today's pod, uh, hostful will go through a couple of questions and then a very interesting question which I'm going to ask Brooke. Okay. Yeah, it's a secret one which I haven't told you about. Okay. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Before we do that, um, some housekeeping. Um, First of all, the show notes to this podcast can be found at slowyourhome.com forward slash 20, not XX. Two zero. Two zero. And like always, this podcast is brought to you by audible.com where you can access over 180,000 audiobooks and listen to them on any device that you see fit. Um, A book today that you're recommending is? Uh, On Writing by Stephen King. Read by? Read by Stephen King. Yeah, I think it's one of the only ones that he reads himself. I've heard that his... It's kind of a little bit boring. The book? No, him. Yes, I think that's why he doesn't read his fiction books right. himself. Yeah. Is this a non-fiction book? Yeah. Right. It's, um, it's that and uh, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott are the two books that I refer to uh, constantly uh, about the art and craft of writing and you know both non-fiction and fiction. And uh, even if you're not someone who's actively writing at the moment. It's such a cracking read. It gives a really great insight into how he does what he does. And, I mean, I'm a big Stephen King fan, but I don't think you need to be to enjoy the book. No, I agree. Um, and this is the second time you've recommended this, so um, it just goes to show you how, many, how much you um, refer to it. True. Yeah. Well. On with the show. On with the show. The first question we've got today is has been sent in by Tom. Brooke is laughing in the background because I've just mispronounced his name a couple of times. Um, and Tom writes to Brooke, how do you deal with friend clutter? And this is a really interesting concept, friend clutter, um, by which he means the people to whom you have social, some social obliga- obligation, even though you might not actively enjoy their company, or have very much in common. So, you know, those friends that you've been hanging out with for a couple of years just because you met them when you first moved to town or, you know, your old school buddies and you've just sort of drifted apart but you still catch up with them. 
Um, if there were objects or clothes, you'd probably ultimately um, take them off the shelf, out of the wardrobe, and put them in the, I don't know, giving away bin, Vinny's bin we call it here, some sort of charity bin, and you feel better for it. But given that you can't actually put people in those bins, it's against the law, um, you know, what can you do to get that time and mental space back, Brooke? It is actually a really inter- interesting question. Um, and it's one that I kind of had to spend a bit of time thinking about because you don't want to approach it with a, you know, a one-size-fits-all sort of response because there's a whole host of reasons why people would be wanting to, you know, wrap up a friendship or whatever. But I think part of the, the thing that you need to understand and go into it thinking is that it's normal for relationships and friendships to not last forever. You know, they might be tied to a specific time in your life, like school or university or a job or, you know, moving to a new town, whatever it is. And it's perfectly normal for for those things to kind of have a lifespan. And I think it's important that we don't feel bad about that. Uh, You know, things just fizzle out sometimes over time. And I know that's happened to to us a lot. It's happened to everyone, you know. Um, So I think that's part, part of what you need to keep in mind. But also I think what you need to to kind of think through is what a good friendship is. You know, I have friendships that will be lifelong. I know that. And they're the kind of friendships that you, my, my best mate, for example, she lives in London. I see her maybe once every two years. We speak, gosh, like maybe twice or three times a year on Skype. And every time we do, it just feels like I spoke to her yesterday. So, you know, I think that's the mark of a really good, solid, strong friendship that, uh, you know, there's no drama, there's no resentment of not catching up together more often. It's just, you know, it fits and it's right and there's no angst there. So I think, you know, understanding that some friendships are not going to be that and it's, there'll be some there that will be like that, it's really important. Um, but in, in Tom's email, he specifically asks about uh, school friends, you know, high school friends, things like that. And I think, again... It's okay for those things to be put in a box and belong to a certain period of, of life. But if you find that, you know, it's years out and you're still catching up and you're kind of not getting anything from the interaction, um, it could be that the other person or the other people feel exactly the same way, but no one is sure how to kind of disengage. So, you know, if that's the case, if, if you're, you feel like there's no great bond there, just step back a bit you know, maybe become a little bit less available. Stop organizing catch-ups, you know, first of all, because everyone might be doing it for the exact same reason of obligation. So, you know, be open to the fact that everyone feels the same, that maybe you could catch up once a year rather than once every month or once a weekend or whatever it is, but just become maybe slightly less available to people and say no a couple of times and see what happens. Because if they're feeling the same way, it might be a really good opportunity for everyone to just step back and for those relationships to become redefined as something, you know, that you do much less frequently and that could take the pressure off. Um, And then I think leading on from that, there's the idea of uh, boundaries, you know, set boundaries for yourself. If you find that these social obligations are having an impact on how you're living, you know, you might be too busy because of them, then set boundaries for your time, you know, your social time, your downtime. And say to yourself or your friends or whoever it is, um, you know, I'm not going out as often or my, my Sundays are, 
you know, family days or days that I spend at home or whatever it is, just kind of set yourself some boundaries and stick to them for a while and see how that impacts it as well. Because it might not even be so much the friendships as the amount of time that you're spending together. It might be that, you know, every three months is a a reasonable amount of time to catch up. Uh, And I think, you know, just don't be afraid to become less available and see how that works. And then, of course, there are those relationships that are toxic that are not just something that's run its course, but that are, you know, if you leave the company of someone, you feel depleted or angry or sad or depressed or, you know, emotionally drained. And that's another thing entirely, I think. Uh, Maybe not easy to kind of get out of, but again, just become less available and don't feel bad about it. You know, you're you're allowed to, to step back. Yeah. For what it's worth, um, totally agree. And I guess that it's really hard if you can't physically, uh, geographically <laughs> distance yourself. It'd be very hard if, you know, you're, you know, these f- friends uh, are sort of still in, you know, your area um, and you might bump into them when you're down at the shops and all that sort of stuff. Oh, we'll catch up and da da da. But it is, I think it is a conscious effort of just being, um, uh, less available and to say no, I've got something on or or, or whatever. Um, that's that's the key. That really is the key, and uh, it's not easy having having done it myself. And then the other, I think, mean, the flip side of that is the friends that uh, you actually want to see more of, but you can't, and it's especially hard when you um, you know you, you work full time and. You've got kids and other responsibilities. That's that's the harder thing is is trying to maintain your relationships, your friend relationships with those that you really want to, <laughs> and that you actually enjoy their company and have much in common. Um, I feel like that's actually harder to do than distancing yourself uh, from people that that don't. But um, you know, it's uh, it's a very much a hard thing to do. Yeah, I guess, and that's the other thing. If you think about the friendships that you do want to foster, focus on them and that will automatically take time away from you being available for those other the friendships that maybe are feeling more like friend clutter now. So if you spend more time with the people you want to hang out with, with the people who lift you up and bring things, you know, you bring something to each other's lives, that just that just by virtue of, you know, time being what it is, you will have less time available for the other friendships. Life's too short to have shitty friends. <laughs> True words never spoken. This next question comes from Hazel. Um, she'd love to know more about why working women who become mums and feel the need to slow down seem to usually be the ones to drop their career. It's interesting and perhaps a bit concerning that all the mums in the podcast did that, whereas their husbands work full time, and I'd like to know how that came about. Whether they considered both working flexi time or the, the woman going back to work after a year or so, or the man reducing their hours, um, or even if any of the men might have wanted to or considered giving up their jobs to raise the kids. Huge, huge question. Yeah, I've, um, I actually got this question a few weeks ago and I've been really nervous to answer it uh, because um, just on a personal level, I feel like whatever I say about this, it's going to be wrong for some people and that's, that's you know, 
simply because everyone's circumstances are different. Uh, I will say that I've got quite a few interviews coming up for the podcast where I speak to women who work full time, um, who have gone back to work when their children have been really young, uh, whose husbands work part time. You know, there's a whole host of different kind of circumstances coming into it. But it is actually quite common, at least with the women that I've interviewed, for one of the partners, and in this case it has been the woman, to stay at home. And that speaks partly to their desire to slow down and simplify. I think, you know, I can't speak for them, but for us it was uh, a matter of, you know, once I closed down my business, it was so important to us for one of us to be at home with the kids that, you know, there wasn't a question of me going back to work while it was still financially feasible. And for us we're very fortunate that that was the case. And I know that everyone's situations are different. Um, but for, for us, it was actually part of the decision to slow down and simplify life. So, um, you know, so that we could be at home with, I could be at home with the kids. That was, that was a huge part of the, you know, the whole conversation about it. But I know that Ben's got some thoughts on this. I think you have some thoughts on this. They're going to be rambling thoughts because it's such an emotionally charged issue and I'm going to become emotionally emotional talking about it. But, um, on a macro level, the issue here is one of um, stereotypes, um, gender stereotypes and gender inequality really um, because, you know, you look at everything from sort of government policy through to um, organisations, culture, through to um, – you know, the way that organisations are structured and what uh, a leader need, should, you know, leadership qualities are, um, you know, the right leadership qualities are. It all comes back to this um, concept that things, um, you know, policies and cultural norms were all created largely by men. So, um, you know, I'm looking at sort of the big sort of organisations, uh, corporates, um, you know, it, it was the norm that these were led by men and it was the norm that these men uh, had wives that would stay at home and be the homemaker and all that sort of stuff. And this was, you know, way back in the 1960s, 50s, you know, you can go back as far as, as you know, the early century, that that, that actually was the norm. And it's stayed the same. So these systems that were created, we'll call them systems, were created mainly by men. And it's these systems or this systematic issue that is now, um, I fumbled my way through this as, as I knew I would. What I'm trying to say is um, it's systematic and there is no easy way out of it. Now, I know that a lot of organisations are turning to flexible working conditions and encouraging men to take time off work when they um, have their um, – when their wives have their children. And it is happening, but it is happening slowly. So what I think needs to happen is a great change, a great shift in momentum, and it's going cr- to require a leader – to come out and, 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 you know, whether it's men that do it 
or a woman that comes out and, and says, look, enough's enough. Um, personally, I would love to um, for Brooke to go back to work or to work full-time and for me to stay at home and, and sort of be the primary caregiver. What do you think? Would you would you really would you be happy? Um, so let's say like go back a couple of years, and if I had a career that I could go back into full time, earn a really good income, which I will say I didn't. Um, so for me, the financial option just wasn't there, um, and that was you know the main reason I guess why you were, you were at work full time and I was at home with the kids. But would you if if the if the shoe was on the other foot, would you be happy to stay at home with the kids? Honestly, yeah, I would. I wouldn't do a good as job as what you've done, um, but I would. I would have loved to have done that, um, or love still love to do it. Would it be easy? Definitely not. Would it come natural? Probably not. Would I um, feel resentful? Probably. Um, would I feel embarrassed? Probably, you know, um, that's only be- and that's only because of these systems that I was talking about that are, you know, so ingrained and, you know, the stereotypes that are created that are so ingrained now. Um, and I consider myself a fairly proud person and feel that my role to provide for my family, as I'm, probably a lot of people do, um, but I would have, would have been willing to give it a go for, you know, 12 months maybe. Um, in fact, I think in some Scandinavian countries, um, they're more progressive than, than us and that actually happens, that men are encouraged to take 12 months. It's almost, it's almost mandatory, I think, in some sort of Norwegian country, you know, Nor- Norway and Sweden and might be wrong. Please correct me if I am, but... Um, this is an issue that I think is going to dominate the next sort of decade. It is one of the most serious issues um, out there, and um, it's going to it's going to require true leadership to to sort of um, solve. And it's going to require things like corporates and organisations giving women who I think have largely been ignored in the systems that have been created a huge leg up, so a huge advantage to, you know, work, go out and and work and and encourage men equally to stay at home and, um, you know, whether it's superannuation or the pension in some countries that women, you know, the government needs to kick the can and, and give more and super because that's that's the issue there that women then go back to work and have little to no super and in retirement are virtually reliant on the superannuation of their partner. Um, so it's that whole wealth and meaning. Um, this is a huge issue and we could devote a lot of time to it. Um, there's no answer to it. We don't have the answer. It's going to require someone to stand up and, and really um, make change. I think the other part of it, the reason that I feel uncomfortable kind of covering this with any real, you know, authority or, or you know, stamp of strong opinion or something, um, 
I think there's an elephant in the room that I think sometimes people think that we ignore, and that is that we we're talking about it from a really privileged position. I don't mean privileged as in silver spoon, um, you know, incredibly wealthy kind of position, but like the position of having one parent at home is incredibly privileged in today's society. Most families will have either both parents working full time or single single parent families where they there's no choice but for you know the the parents to go out and work so i feel like in a lot of ways what i have to offer here is merely you know theory because the reality is that we are able for me to be at home and i think that's part of what hazel was getting at um you know why why the sacrifice falls on the woman but hang on a minute though um it is the sacrifice because what you know, you're, you're still work. You still work like a part time, basically a part time job. You care for the children full time. I work full time and and try as hard as I can to, you know, help with the household um, running of the household. Um, this is this is a universal problem, though. This is whether the the woman then goes back and works part time. It's still the career, you know. It's still the, she's still the one that has to exit her career and find something that suits the f- running of the family. So that's the that that's her f- primary responsibility. Why isn't it the male's responsibility? Why doesn't the male have to stop their career for you know five to t- you know seven years or whatever? Um, no, I, I agree with you, but I think part of the reason, and I mean, absolutely, they're questions that should be asked. Um, but I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is part of the reason that I feel awkward talking about this is because we're talking about it from a position that most people never even have the opportunity to experience. That's all. Um, you know, I'm not saying that it's better or worse. I'm just saying that it's different. And I just, yeah. That's what, I guess that's why I was nervous to answer the question in the first place because it is different and our challenges are different to the challenges of a single parent family or a single income household or, you know, everyone. Everyone's challenges are different and I just don't want to sound like I'm talking about it from a place of authority when the reality is that my experience is only mine. So, Hazel, hopefully that's... Cleared <laughs> up absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think you've you've basically asked why. So why working women who become mums feel the need to slow down and, and the ones that actually exit their career? The answer is systemic issues that are driven by stereotypes created in the turn of the century that are still evident today. So anyway... I, I agree. I agree with you completely. I just. <laughs> Why? What, is, what do you mean? Why are you laughing at me then? I'm not laughing at you. Sorry. I'm. Uh, I feel like if this is the first episode of the show that someone's listened to, they're going to not kind of really get our jam. Thank you, Hazel, for your question. <laughs> the next question is one that I'll come up with now because I promised that I would, but um, it's got to do with Brooke. Um, uh, finishing blogging on on Slow Your Home. So for four four and a half years, Brooke has, on a weekly basis, uh, or two twice weekly actually, written uh, for Slow Your Home, um, and which you can go and and view. I'm sure all the four and a half years are catalogued there, archived. Yeah, um, but she's made the decision after a brief break. 
um, a, a family holiday that she's going to drop that um, and she's going to live the ethos that she promotes on a weekly basis. So I'd like to know why you're, you're going to stop blogging. I'm going to spend the rest of the year focused on um, the podcast and our in-person workshops, which I'm, I'm presenting with um, Sabelle Masterman from Blah Blah Magazine. Um, and the reason I'm doing that, I, I realised when we went uh, away for a couple of weeks, I went on a digital sabbatical, so no emails, no social media, no phones, nothing. And I realised after a few days that... I couldn't remember the last time I was without my phone in my pocket or without um, – you know, I couldn't sit and watch a movie without checking my emails multiple times. I couldn't relax. I couldn't switch off. I couldn't disconnect. And it frightened me because I realized I had put myself almost back to the stage that I was at when I had the breakdown, when, you know, when I first started this whole process, when I had the jewellery business and closed it down because I had run myself completely ragged trying to do everything and be everything to everyone and do it all perfectly and, you know, add more and add more and add more to life. And I realised when we were away that that's exactly what I had been doing over the past six months. You know, I added the podcast, I added the bloom, I added... Um, you know, social media work and other writing writing commitments, and I kept adding things all like all for a very good reason, all in the quest to help people slow down and simplify. But ironically, I had made my life, which is what I had been writing about, I had made my life fast paced and hectic and complex and over the top and constantly connected all in the, you know, on, on the quest to try and help people achieve a slower, simpler life. I'd given up my own. And when I realized that and I was you know, spending time with the kids and I became really fearful of what I was missing in their life and in our family life because I was constantly connected. And I knew I had a, a few days, and, you know, you saw this, Ben, where I was completely overwhelmed with not knowing what to do. But in the end, the decision was quite simple and as soon as I came to the answer it was like well why didn't I think of this before so I stepped back and um yeah I won't be won't be posting with any regularity on the blog anymore and um I'll just be focusing on the podcast and the the workshops for the time being it's interesting because it does relate to the last question in terms of a career because you know um let's be honest you want to do this and I think you're very very good at it um and you want to essentially um, make it financial so make it you know as 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 a proper part-time job um full, full-time job eventually um you want to you, know, you want to essentially make money and was the decision at all financial i mean i think the really simple answer is yes it was a financial decision but not in the way that you would think um i want nothing more than to be able to create a business that allows me to help people in a really real way, a very practical kind of way to, to learn how to slow down and simplify and live a good intentional life that makes them happy, you know. Um, but I don't want to do that at the expense of my own. So the challenge then is for me to think of 
ways to build that business that aren't going to see me shackled to my computer. And that's essentially what I had done this year. I introduced a heap of ideas, none of which were bad ideas, but they they had me living the kind of life that I didn't want. Would it be true to say that you were heading for another breakdown? Definitely, yeah. It wasn't as bad as it was five years ago, but had I kept going, it absolutely would have been. Uh, had I kept pushing through for the rest of the year doing the blog and the bloom and the podcast and the social media and the emailing and all that kind of stuff that all added up to a significant amount of hours every week, you know, basically full-time job kind of hours for virtually zero income. Um, and I'm not saying that in like a poor me kind of way. It was just that I continued to add things in the quest to help people on, you know, my mission is to help people. Uh, but at the expense of my own mental health, I can't do it. I've done it before and I can't do it. And uh, I don't need to do it. So it was just a matter of realigning with my priorities. And that's something that I tell people all the time. If ever you feel stuck, go back to why it is that you're doing this. Why do you want to live a simpler, slower life? And for me, it was so that I could be present with my family, so that we could, you know, create a life together that that was intentional and good. And, you know, we spent that time together. And when I looked at my why recently, none of that was happening. You're happy? You're happy with your decision? Oh, undoubtedly. It was immediate kind of weight off my shoulders. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you, guys. It was a bit of a different episode, but, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to continue to answer your questions as well if you do have any. So you can always head to head to slowyourhome.com slash QA and you can either email me a question or you can also leave a voicemail message. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, I, I I know it was a bit of a different a different kind of approach this, this week, but I feel like we, I don't know, kind of covered some pretty big, big issues. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass. What? Hi, Puck Pass. Pog Past. This will now be called the Slow Home Pog Past. Slow Home Pog This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.